0: Um, In Luke's version of the prayer, Jesus actually says, And forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. So still the very clear thing Jesus here, as he, uh, I think, wants us, he wants to convey a sense of debt is referring uh, to sin in the prayer that he's actually teaching his disciples at this point. Um, And we know that owing a debt doesn't really carry the same weight in our culture Um, as it did during the times uh, where Jesus is actually modeling this prayer to his disciples. In fact, um, debt doesn't even carry the same weight that it did in the United States 100 years ago. Um, Per capita in America, um, we have, um, this is a fact I found, you know, kind of out there, uh, personal bankruptcies are more than 80 times higher than they were just 100 years ago. So this whole idea of debt to us probably is that, that edge is dulled a little bit um, because back in Bible times when we talk about debt, if you couldn't pay your debts, you were either going to be, one, sold into slavery or, two, possibly thrown into what they call debtor's prison. Um, and obviously in America, we don't really do that to people for not paying their debts. Um, but right after Jesus has finished this prayer, Um, he uses the term trespasses um, instead of debts to reinforce and to clarify what he meant about forgiveness of debts as far as forgiveness in the prayer. And by including the word trespasses, which is a common word that we also use here, right after the prayer, it seems like Jesus is not only wanting to communicate the idea of owing a debt, but that he's also conveying a sense of like overstepping a prescribed boundary or what we'll say like crossing the line when referring to what might cause us to need to ask for forgiveness. Now, in our culture, I think trespasses, it carries a lot more sting to us than the word debt. You know, we hang signs, right? We hang signs in our culture that say no trespassing, whereas you don't really see signs when it comes to to debt. Um, Trespasses hit us very differently than debts, especially whenever somebody commits a trespass against us. And a trespasser, what is a trespasser? A trespasser occupies a realm or exercises a right that rightfully belongs to someone else. A trespasser violates another person. So regardless here of what word, we're not going to get hung up on the word today, whether it's debt, whether it's trespasses, whether it's sin that we're actually repeating whenever we say the Lord's prayer there's one common word that's the same in all the versions, and that is the word forgive. We read in Matthew chapter 6, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, what is forgiveness? We're going to define it like this today on the screen here. It's a conscious and deliberate decision to release resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who has wronged you, regardless of whether they actually deserve it or not. I'll let you look at that for a second, because when I read that, I say, "Dad, gone, you know? And in the Lord's Prayer today, Jesus is going to provide us with a model for seeking God's forgiveness here today. Let's pray. Dear God, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to come together, and we thank you for the words of Christ who knew that we needed to pray um, this way, that we needed to include the things in our prayers and our petitions to you uh, that he models here for his disciples. And we're going to talk, God, some of the things that you've put in here today that are just hard. And we thank you that you're not a God that kind of throws out the idea of here's the way to do it and that's it, but that you come in relationship with us, and we have the opportunity to have your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, because we know what we're about ready, what we're ready to talk about today. There's absolutely no way that we could even come close to following this example on our own. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to kind of break it down into two parts today, all right? That first part of, and forgive us our debts. So in that first half of Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts. And he's modeling here the need to do a couple things. Number one, he's modeling the need to actually confess our sins. Okay, now he doesn't use the word confess, but the whole idea that Jesus even says forgive us our debts is acknowledging the fact that we have debts, which in its sense indirectly is a way of actually confessing. And that means we're going to acknowledge that these debts, these trespasses, these sins actually exist in our lives. And we're actually going to own up to them. Okay? The other thing here is that not only are we charged for confessing our sins, but also for asking God to forgive us what we might have said, what we might have thought, or what we might have done. And we see examples of this, that's the nice thing, this isn't just about the Lord's prayer today, we have examples all throughout Scripture of the importance of confessing and asking for forgiveness. In Psalm chapter 32 verse 5 we read, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In 1 John 1, 9, we read, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And another one, James 5, 16, I just highlighted a few here, says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a right of the righteous is powerful and effective. So we know through Scripture that we are charged with confessing our sins and actually asking for forgiveness. Now, the last two verses I just shared mention being cleansed from all unrighteousness and actually being made righteous. And it's really important that we understand that righteousness has absolutely nothing to do with the good things that we actually do in our lives. And if we think that we're righteous— If we think that we're righteous and we believe that we're righteous because of the good things that we're doing, actually is not righteousness at all. We have a whole other term for that and it's called self-righteous. And it's not necessarily a good thing to be, it's not, it's awful to be self-righteous because it's not our actions or our deeds that are making us Righteous. So I always heard the word righteous as a kid. I'm like, what in the world? Self-righteous, unrighteous, righteous. What does it exactly mean? Righteous simply means being made right with God. To be made right with God. And this can only be accomplished because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn the opportunity to be righteous. It involves total dependence. On God and on in acknowledging what Jesus Christ did for all of us, and these verses say the righteous have powerful and effective prayers because they humble themselves and are led by the Holy Spirit of God, um, who lives inside of them, and it's that Spirit that's actually directing their words, their actions, and their prayers. So, not only do we need to confess our sins and to ask for forgiveness. But there's also the peace that we need to actually receive and accept the forgiveness that God freely offers us. And again, we'll go to Scripture for this. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. How many times in our lives do we carry around like a load of guilt or maybe shame over the things that we've actually already confessed and already asked God to forgive us for? And when we fail to let these sins go and to fully accept what God is offering us, there actually might be a deeper root to that problem. We may not truly believe that God is capable of doing what he says that he will do what he's promised in his word that he will actually do. We may not truly believe that he actually um, has the ability to love us and to cancel out our debts. Like, does God really love me enough to cancel out all of my sin? We may down deep believe that Christ's death on the cross wasn't quite enough. I mean, it was a big sacrifice, but it wasn't quite enough to fix All of the problems that we have. And to make things right on our own is what we'll do. We try to fix the problem. And you might, I might have just read those and you're like, yep, that's me. You know, I'm that third one personally. My deal, what creeps into me is, what creeps into mine is down deep. There's times in my life whenever I believe that Christ dying on the cross wasn't quite enough. It can't be that simple, right? It can't be that simple. I've got to... Do something. I've got to fix the problem. I've got to somehow make this right on my own. And all those things I just shared, those are just lies. They're not in Scripture. Matter of fact, the opposite is in Scripture. And what they do is they keep us in bondage because what they do is they prevent us from receiving that forgiveness, which is totally free. And they hold us back because we think we've got to earn it. Or we think God's maybe not capable of really forgiving someone as bad of a person as I am. Lies. So we have to believe Scripture. And we always want to take it back. So, so if we're not going to believe these lies, what are we going to believe when it comes to God's forgiveness? Confessing, asking, and receiving that free forgiveness. We can rest in the truth of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those are the truths about forgiveness. Thank goodness, right? Thank goodness. So do we really believe that God has wiped our slate clean? Do we really believe that He's pardoned us or canceled our debts? Do we really believe that He consciously and deliberately releases us from sin and makes us right with Him? What does Scripture actually say about what God does with our sin once He's removed it from us? Again, we have promises. Psalm chapter 103, verse 12 tells us about those sins that have been removed. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. They're gone. It's a free gift. All we have to do is receive it. But I don't know about you, sometimes receiving gifts is actually sometimes more uncomfortable and difficult than actually what? Giving the gifts. Yes. But it's crucial that we fully understand and that we humbly accept the whole idea that the forgiveness that He offers to us is totally free. And it's only then that we can actually be in a right relationship with God and freely live out the life that He's caused us to live. If we read, and we're going to look at it, Hebrews chapter twelve, verses one and two, it totally lays this out. It starts with, "Let us also lay aside every weight, that guilt, that shame, that sin, those those trespasses, and sin which what clings so closely to us." And only then let us run the endurance the with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Only can we run that race with endurance toward Christ, with Christ, whenever we what? Whenever we do not cling to those ideas that were not forgiven, when we do not receive God's gift of forgiveness. Um, So it's important. It's important if we want that freedom to run the race with endurance. We have to focus on Jesus and what he has done and not on ourselves. Now moving to the second part of this uh, fourth line of the prayer, right? Forgive us our debtors as we forgive, um, I'm sorry, yeah. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those... uh, Now I'm like, what do I say? Do I say trespasses? Do I say debts? I'm kind of all over the place. Okay. Um, I think we would understand it a little bit better if Jesus would have just kind of stopped after that first part of Matthew 6, 12, whenever he said, and forgive us our debts. Okay. That makes sense to us, right? Because we can accept that we have a need to confess our sins and to ask for forgiveness for God. And that'll make us right with God because after all, that's who God is, right? We just, we go to him in love as a father. We confess what we've done. We ask for forgiveness and he provides that freely um, to us. However, the second part of this verse, I'm gonna say kind of throws a curveball, in my opinion. Um, And from out of nowhere, Jesus actually includes a phrase that makes me personally really uncomfortable. Um, I don't know about you, But he adds, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like this part of the Lord's prayer, being totally honest with you. Because if I was to put that kind of in plain English, it's saying, God, deal with me the way that I deal with the people when they've wronged me. God, forgive me exactly the way that I forgive other people who hurt me. Yikes, right? That one's a little harder uh, for us. And I think because it's uncomfortable us sometimes, uh, we're tempted to like water it down or to kind of soften this part of verse 12. Um, and whether we do this consciously or maybe unconsciously, I think we try to, maybe, I know I would, try to. Wiggle out from underneath of it. Maybe we ignore the key word in the verse, which is what? As for all my English pe- conjunction, right? Combining. What? What do conjunctions do? Remember conjunction, junction. What's your function? Yeah. Come on, my '80s children, right? It combines or links together. Um, if we take out the, um, if we we cannot take out as. As is the conditional part. We have to acknowledge the importance of forgiving others. Um, and a lot of times we'll do that. Like I know it's important to, I know it's important to forgive others, but we remove the as and we don't link it with what? With God's forgiveness. In this verse, they are linked together. Or sometimes we could get the sentence turned around, maybe on purpose, maybe not. And we say. God, help me to forgive others the way you have forgiven me, right? Which is a legit prayer, but it's not the words of Christ in this verse today. And I think Jesus probably knew that this verse, as short as it is, what are we talking about, nine or ten words here today? Very short, word, but so powerful. I think that Jesus knows that this verse is going to need clarification because it is the only part of the entire prayer that he later singles out for additional explanation. Immediately after he's done modeling the prayer to his disciples and saying, this is the way you should pray, he breaks into Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. He immediately says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. He leaves absolutely no wiggle room. In my, I mean, there's no wiggle room here. I would like there to maybe be a little bit of wiggle room sometimes, like if they do this terrible thing to you, right? But there's no wiggle room here. His explanation um, really clears up what he means when he says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. It's not tricky. It's not hidden. He's simply saying that unless we truly forgive other people, God will not forgive us. And as if this isn't enough, two chapters later in Matthew, Jesus is going to actually tell his disciples a story or a parable to help them understand and internalize this truth of forgiveness even more clearly. We're going to take a look at that today. Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now we're going to hear some numbers in this parable, and we don't really need to get caught up on the numbers. I did a little bit of research trying to figure out things, but you know Jesus talks in a way sometimes where you know he's clear in an unclear way, and um, so Peter's going to ask him about, "Do I forgive my, bro- you know, the person that sins against me seven times?" And Jesus is going to say. 77 times and then different versions say 70 times 7 which we go oh that's 49 and you know I think we need to just be relating the idea of do I want God to number or limit or put a quota on the number of times he forgives me and we're going to read in this story about 10,000 talents and a 100 denarii and money values and Different people debate like a year's wage, how much was it? But what we're basically talking about this story, the 10,000 talent, kind of associate that idea in our culture of billions of dollars, billions of dollars, like Bill Gates' billions, right? And the denarii, the denarii, the hundred denarii, associate that more with reality for us, like tens of thousands of dollars, like 12,000, 15,000 dollars. Okay, let's take a look at it. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's our billions, okay? And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's our thousands of dollars. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So not only did Jesus model in the Lord's prayer the importance of forgiving others, but then also two chapters later, he tells us this story to kind of drive home the importance of how important it is for us to forgive other people in our lives. And I want to share with you just a few uh, things that kind of uh, hit me hard that we kind of worked through. There's been a lot of talk about forgiveness, obviously, in our house over the last few days. And this is something that um, I'm not really good at. I'm actually good at asking forgiveness. And it's normally like, I'm sorry. And then I just kind of expect it to kind of go away. Anybody like that? Yeah, lots of I'm sorry's. Um, So, some important reminders about forgiving other people. First up, forgiveness is not a feeling, okay? It's a decision. If it were a feeling, we would all be in trouble. And we would not be able to do it because our emotions would always be in control of us. Our perfect model of this is Jesus hanging on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do the people that were tormenting Jesus, as he made a decision to ask for forgiveness of the people that had hung him there, right? Not a choice. I'm sure he did not feel like asking forgiveness for the people that had just nailed him to a cross. But he chooses to ask for forgiveness on behalf of those people. While they were still what? They were still mocking him and actually tormenting them, right? He decides to not be full of resentment To not be full of vengeance, okay, toward this group. And have they asked for that forgiveness? No. But yet he asked for it freely for them. Another thing to remember whenever it comes to forgiving others is when we forgive someone, we're actually not saying that what he or she did is okay. And I think sometimes. Um, I might hesitate to forgive someone because I feel like if I forgive them, I'm kind of condoning their actions and saying what they did was okay. And if we kind of think about our relationship with God, when God forgives us, he doesn't say what we were doing or what we've said or what we've thought is okay. He just says, I'm not going to what? I'm not going to hold it against you. What you did was wrong but I'm not going to hold it against you. And that is the way that we are called to forgive other people in our lives. Not to condone what they did, not to condone what they did, um, but to be able to um, freely give that forgiveness. Another thing when it comes to forgiving others that we need to remember is it's okay to feel angry when someone wrongs us, but it's toxic whenever we let it take root and grow into resentment and bitterness. So it's okay to be upset. The problem is whenever we let that root in our lives. A a quote we found from Crossroads Initiative says, anger can be righteous, but whenever we let it harden into resentment, it becomes a poison that blocks the grace of God from flowing into, into us and through us. Forgiveness removes that block. For me personally, whenever I look at these reminders about forgiving others, because I think when we look at this list, there's always one that's like, man, that's the one that I kind of struggle with the most. For me, it's that one. Like whenever someone wrongs me, like I get mad. Um, And then I typically will resort to like anger and um, I get mad. I mean, I could get real mad and it's not pretty. Um, But the problem is, is even when that person is, I will let that, I will let that anger stew and boil in my life, not letting it go until it actually does turn into resentment and bitterness in my life. And what that does is that's not affecting that other person anymore, right, who I actually am angry about. That actually is affecting me because that love and grace that needs to be flowing through me through Christ, actually that's blocked by that resentment and by that bitterness that actually comes in. Another thing we need to remember whenever it comes to forgiving others is we need to stay humble and we need to keep the depths of our forgiveness toward us, toward the forefront of our thoughts and decision making. And uh, I hope this comes out clearly because this is, I just, you know, God's grace and depth of forgiveness towards us is actually minimized whenever we minimize the depths of our own sin. You know, if we think, oh, I'm not that bad of a person, then that kind of cancels out the greatness of what God has actually done. Like the unforgiving servant, if we see our debts as small or insignificant, the trespasses against us seem substantial. And I think the reverse is also true. The greater we see the depth of our own sin before God, the less we see the sins of other people will bother us. If I see myself as a totally lost, what, what, a person dead without Christ in front of God, then what somebody else is doing, that doesn't necessarily bother me as much. If I'm focused on what shortcomings I have, and where would I be without Christ, and who am I truly without that forgiveness that God freely offers. But whenever I see my sin is kind of small and I think I kind of got it together, then everybody else sin, what? It gets magnified. It gets magnified. So Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want to throw some questions out to all of us today. Um, First, on needing forgiveness. Do I confess my sins and ask for forgiveness? It's a pretty simple question, but do I do that? Have I ever done that for the initial time to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's the most important confession of all, is that first one where you say, God, I acknowledge the fact that you died for me and I'm a sinner lost without you and I want to come in a relationship with you. When it comes to confessing our sins on a daily life, for those of us that are followers of Christ, Do I ask for forgiveness? Do I confess? Or do I try to hide my sin? Do I try to make excuses for my sin? Do I get defensive about the wrong things that I've done? Another question. Do I truly receive the forgiveness that God has offered me? Or do I continue to carry around the weight of my sin even though God has already taken care of it? Now, when it comes to forgiving others, do I acknowledge what people have done to me and forgive them anyway? Hmm? Do I let it go? Or do I dwell on it? Is it in my mind and I'm just going over it all the time, I just can't let it go? Or maybe when I'm around that person that has asked for my forgiveness, maybe I always like bring it back up to them right? Maybe I just, I won't let it go. I just bring it. Or maybe I gossip about it to other people. So I think letting it go, we're talking about three things here. Sometimes just ourselves, we can't let it go. We just think about it all the time. But then other times we want to what? We want to run our mouths to other people that have already asked for forgiveness from us. And we want to remind them, oh yeah, you remember back there four years ago what you did, right? We just keep bringing it up. And then other times we'll go, and hang out with other people, and we bring those things up, right? Oh, yeah. Four years ago, you know what so-and-so did. I never have forgotten that, okay, even though that person has already asked forgiveness from us. And even if they haven't, as Jesus' example, we still have to what? I think that's where it gets tough, right? Well, they've never really asked for forgiveness, right? We saw Jesus' example of forgiving people on the cross that had not asked for forgiveness, do I pray for my offenders and ask God to bless them? Yikes, right? Or do I rejoice in their suffering? I just, I mean, that's just convicting to me because there's been so many times where I just don't like somebody and something bad happens to them and I go, <laughs> right? And that's so not Christ. So not Christ. So we need to pray for our offenders and it's I think that sometimes that's a little easier than actually asking God to bless them. Do I forgive others in the way that I want God to forgive me? And that's the key to our verse today. That's the link, that's the conjunction. Do I forgive others in a way that I want God to forgive me? And last, do I show mercy instead of judgment? Told you, didn't I? It's like, yikes. Yikes. Thank goodness we serve a God who didn't say, this is what I want you to do, and you got to do it all by yourself. Because if he did, we would fail miserably. And it's really only through that relationship with Jesus Christ, only through that yielding to God's Holy Spirit in times when our human nature wants to take over, Right? And either not own up to something we've done personally or remind someone else of what they've done. It's only when we yield to God's Holy Spirit that God can be glorified in the way that we are forgiven and forgive others. And I think uh, a lot of you have probably seen this story. We're going to show a little short video. Uh, this is just a news story this last week. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Um, Steph came across it and was like, look at this. And we were like, oh my gosh. Um, but this is an example of what true forgiveness of others looks like. Just this last week in a courtroom in America, and obviously as you hear this young man speak, this kid is 18. Not to make any of us feel guilty in here. This kid is 18 years old. and We'll talk about it uh, when we're done.
1: A powerful scene in a Texas courtroom. A man whose brother was shot to death by a Dallas police officer, forgiving his brother's killer and embracing her. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else, and I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die, just like my brother did. But I see, I I personally want the best for you, and I I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but. I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ I'm not gonna say anything else I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please, please? Yes. And the judge also hugging that former officer, Amber Geiger, and giving her a Bible after sentencing her to 10 years
0: behind bars for killing a neighbor, an unarmed black man, in his own apartment.
1: She says she mistook...
0: Wow, huh? Right? I mean... That's what we're called to be, uh, but not through our own power and strength, but only through uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Eighteen years old, but not his glory, right? Obviously only what God was doing through him. Let's pray today. Dear God, we thank you for um, your example and the words that you've given us out of Matthew today. And uh, we are so thankful that you're even the kind of God that we can come to and ask for forgiveness. But we're even more amazed that you provide that forgiveness to us free on our end because you've already paid the price with the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would be able to confess and to ask you, freely um, for forgiveness, that we would be able to receive that forgiveness without carrying guilt, to be able to let it go and for you to take it as far as the East is from the West and remove it from us. And I pray that that would be our focus this week as believers, that we might spend time this week actually focusing in on what our life would be like without you offering us that free forgiveness. So that then whenever we are wronged or treated poorly in our lives, in our workplaces, in the hallways of school, no matter where it would be, that we would not be able to focus our attention just on that, but that that would seem small to us because of the way that you've forgiven us, and that because of your free forgiveness, that we would be able to afford that same forgiveness to other people in our lives, even when they don't deserve it, and even when they don't ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen.